welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. In today's podcast, we feature an episode from Ask a Painter Live with Nick Slavic. All right, everybody. Good morning. I'm Nick Slavic. Uh, I'm the proprietor of the Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration Company. I'm also the host of this show, Ask a Painter Live. It is a weekly live Facebook show where I use my almost three decades of experience in the craft and uh, trades-based entrepreneurship to answer any of your questions. And we got tons of stuff to cover today. Uh, I am live on TikTok. I'm live on Instagram as well, too. TikTokers and Instagrammers, if you guys want to see my live screen share, you're going to have to go to the Ask a Painter Live uh, Facebook page to actually see my screen share. I use an app to, to broadcast to there. If you guys want to interact now, ask any questions, comments, you certainly can. But screen shares are on Facebook, and I'll get to all this stuff um, yeah, afterwards. So number one, I received tons of messages over the last uh, couple weeks. Um, we are show number three, I believe, of Mastering the Basics. It's a yearly thing I do where this is the time where people work on their business. They start getting introspective, and they really start looking for some resources. In the middle of August, not so much. People are kind of like go time. They're out there doing it. So what I do is now that people are sitting at their desks, they're looking for those resources. I'm going hard on giving those resources. So what you're going to find here is a whole bunch of just the basics of business, things that I've found to be proven and good and well. Now, what's really interesting is that, like I said, I've been getting lots of messages of people commiserating for me saying, oh my God, Nick, I've been seeing all those messages. Uh, you must get a lot of trolls. You must get a lot of pushback. And you know, what's really funny is that for every, you know, 200 comments I get, maybe one is somebody who's like, you're stupid. Uh, this doesn't work. You're a micromanager. This isn't real. And you know, the typical response to a negative comment is, oh, you're stupid. But my knowledge of people like that in the industry, I was once one of them who had a very regressive way of thinking is my heart bleeds for them. Um, if your first reaction to a 30 year master craft person and trades based entrepreneur sharing for free, all the resources that made him happy, his people happy, his clients happy, and a successful business and allowed him to win many national awards. If your first reaction is F that guy, I'm sorry, man. Like you just need some personal growth. Like you should not have a reaction based on that. You can have a zero. You can be like, Hey, that's not interesting to me, but I truly do bleed for you. My heart bleeds for you if you if you your first reaction is that. So what I normally do is message some of these people offline and say, hey, what's up, man? How's it going? Typically, these conversations go, hey, man, sorry, had a bad day, had a job go bad, uh, fight with the spouse, things like that. Sorry, I didn't mean to get spicy on the internet with you. So honestly, people, I don't get that, that much bad feedback on what I do, um, especially this stuff. When I paint something, people have lots of opinions. When we do this, this is not what trades-based businesses are good at. So really, people don't have a lot of experience it, and they can't push back a whole lot. So, But that's what I'm here to do. The goal of Ask a Painter is not for me to be a loudmouth on social media. The goal for me is to be a servant leader. I am a leader in my own company. I'm a leader in my family. I try to be a leader in the industry. True leaders are servant leaders. They give back. This is just a natural thing. I would do this regardless of whether people watched it 
or whether people found any value in it. And I did for years before anybody watched this show. Remember, this is this show's been going on five and a half years every week. I've never missed a week. There were times where I would look at the corner of the screen and there'd be zero for most of the show. Guess what? Don't care. The information's out there and I like it. So, okay, folks, a bunch of things going on here. Um, if you guys want a master's class, this in a four to eight hour format, in person, in your area, we can where we can interact, share a meal, do all that stuff. There's a link in the show notes for this stuff. Something very cool that we did as an experiment last year and we are continuing to do this year is the Ask a Painter Live Retreats. We did one in the summer. I gathered about 15 of the biggest thinkers uh, in our industry. We got together and legitimately, we still talk about it all the time. There is one coming up in mid-February and we're opening it up to a few more slots for people. Obviously, we have our normal people who come and, and know and love this stuff, but we're opening it up for a few more people. So I do not have a link in here because the link is very large. I'm going to put in a link for you to um, apply for this after the show is done. So what this is, the Ask a Painter Live Retreat, it is a it is a time where 15 to 20 people, biggest thinkers in the industries, open-minded people, not the people who see a free resource on the internet and say, F that guy. These are people who are curious they're optimistic, they're happy, they're motivated, they have the grit, but they just need the information or they have the information and they just want to use how to uh, harness their grit. You get to spend three or four days with me living in a luxury log cabin. It's a whole estate. It's about a five acre estate, three buildings. It's a lake with no public access. So it's almost a private -y sort of lake with not many people on it. We do outdoor activities, sauna, hot tub. Uh, we do yoga, uh, guided meditation. Uh, private chef, uh, likely I'm lining that up here. Uh, we're, we're going to do a bunch of ice fishing and wilderness stuff. I'm going to give people a good time and we're uh, trying to find some snowmobiles, which is, uh, with supply chain issues, we're not having a lot of great luck with that stuff. So if you're interested in joining us, there will be a link after this. You got to apply though. We're not taking anybody. This is a select group of people where we have to live together for three days and we don't want any people who are like F that guy, <laughs> one of those things. So, all right, people. Um, another fun event coming up early March is the PCA Expo. There is a link in the show notes right now to that. If you're interested, definitely get on there. It is a absolutely wonderful time where hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of the Ask a Painter Live retreaters and everybody else show up. And we're going to be in Orlando, Florida this time. And we do member-based and actual operator-based training sessions for a number of days. Uh, so I'll be presenting two things. There'll be other peers from the industry presenting things. This is not where we get outside people, uh, things like that. There is a little bit of outside stuff, but these are your peers actually in a place with you presenting data and feelings and things from their own business. So it is absolutely awesome here. So, <laughs> all right. Thanks for the comments, everybody. I'm going to blow through that, uh, blow through some of these comments here, and then we're going to get to what you guys came here for today, standards and deliverables. Uh, Dan Zapanzik, big show, got up early, all oh, my Canadian friends. That's awesome. Thank you guys so much. Sumter, awesome, man. Uh, North Carolina, that's a place I would love to do a, uh, a master's class. I, I actually lived in North Carolina for a bunch of years in the Army, and I have fond memories of, of mixing it up in that place. So Joe Theseus, good morning. Lucas from Norway. Hello from Norway. It's not fair. You guys wake up, make some coffee, start watching the best show for a week at Nick. And I have to sit in front of my computer for seven hours before the show starts here in Europe. I love it, man. Lucas, I love interacting with you, man. Another big thinker from, from across the way here. Uh, Reno, Nevada. Greetings from the Finger Lakes. Oh, man. Jim Davis. Uh, that's a beautiful place up there. All right. David Evans. Good morning, my good friend from the industry. Skyler. 
I find my new hires take their job much more seriously when they have a job description standards and advancement plan. So as always, I'm going to share with you my latest iteration of all this stuff. And I will, uh, after this show, I will actually send you the packet of some of these PDFs so you can base your own stuff on or use these for your business. I legitimately want this industry to be better. These little things we're making are freedom machines and done right. They can legitimately change your life and everybody's life associated with it. Clients, employees, apprentices, craftspeople, leadership team, everything can change based on that, uh, based on these things. So uh, I really do want everybody to win. Now, I want everybody to win so badly that I, I give all this stuff to, to businesses that are operating in my market that we bid on each other. We bid on the same projects. I want our clients in this service area to be serviced better. If they have more better choices, those guys, the unprofessional people who come in and give the client a bad experience with a super low price will not be as attractive if 90% of the people out there run a professional business and know how to price the risk. Things like that. Oh, Maurizio, uh, Bonjia, all my friends in Brazil. Uh, Aaron Michael Steininger, one of the greatest inside jokes that's ever lived. F that door. Take a look at that, Aaron. Ooh, there we go. Look at that. So Aaron gave me one of the best uh, birthday presents I've ever received, which is uh, I get sent maybe once or twice a week. Somebody who goes into great clips for a picture, takes a picture of that, sends it to me and say, Nick, you're on a poster. Now, that's very nice of you guys. Uh, that guy looks a great deal more better than I do, uh, much more sophisticated, but I do take it as a compliment. He actually tracked down somebody and you guys can't see it here, but he actually tracked down a, uh, a store manager and got me one and sent it to me in a huge poster thing for my birthday. So uh, much gratitude. You guys are the best. So uh, Ron Gerhardt, Suborgan, Wisconsin. Will Torres, good morning, my friend. Uh, Matthew Kern, glad to be here. Appleton, Wisconsin. Man, it is wintry out there today, guys. The wind is blowing. The sun just peaked up over the Slavic farm here. We got all sorts of birds and stuff running around, and it is beautiful. All right, let me make sure I don't forget anything good here before we do this. PJ Quinn, I'm growing every time I listen to you, Nick. Thanks for all that. Absolutely. Oh, Audrey Bjork from Rochester, Minnesota. All right, everybody from Michigan, ready for my weekly leadership vitamins. <coughs> all right, folks, we're not going to uh, delay this any longer here. So let's get into it. Let me screen share and let us get after it. Okay. Oh, man, I'm looking at my email here. There's already people emailing me for all that stuff. So oh, I love it. You guys are awesome. You guys are absolute animals. So, okay, this is show number three in the Mastering the Basics series. This one is standards and deliverables. Now, standard operating procedures, which we did last week, is much more like, oh, yeah, of course, it's a recipe. It's a it's an algorithm. It's a list of steps to do in a project. This one gets a little more businessy. This one gets a little more like, again, I, I would label this under the unsexy, mundane, maybe even boring, but absolutely essential to running a business. Every single business that you look up to, every single Target, every single Best Buy, Google, Amazon, things like this, they have this and more. There is no real business out there, real business that operates without these things. So I not only these things aren't like world class innovative things that I've come up with. I consider this the admission fee, the price to play in this industry. If you don't have these, you can cowboy yourself through a little bit of this but you will get crazy ups and crazy downs. How do I know? I'm speaking from experienced people. I have ran a cowboy business before where it was my grit and working 150 hours a week in order to make this thing work, but that is not sustainable and it's hugely risky. So mastering the basics. 
These are the things we're going to talk about today. Let me just make sure my screen is good in here. Okay, we are looking good. Uh, Skylar Stewart, uh, you are going to laugh here, but I bet Nick has an SOP for answering his request for document emails. I do. 17 clicks between when uh, somebody sends me an email to when I send them an entire email full of PDFs in and out the door. I actually have a, uh, a template of an email that I add in certain things when people ask things. So absolutely. All right. We're going to go over job descriptions, competency-based metrics and pay scale, uh, GSRs, goal setting and review, org charts, organizational charts, employee standards and employee handbooks, training and accountability. I know this sounds like barn burner, but honestly, you focus some of your time on this in January and February here, legitimately your business and your life will change. This, These are the things, like they're sexy things, right? Like testing out a new coding, getting a new van, hiring somebody that are kind of sexy and fun and, and this. These are things that you toil away in your office and tweak and they're living documents. And if you get these things right, legitimately, you will notice a huge difference in your business. Some quick notes here. Like I say in all these things, if it's not written down, it doesn't exist. So if you tell me that you have a pay scale and I ask you for it to email me, well, everybody knows you're here for another year, you get a dollar an hour. I would say that doesn't exist. That does not exist. It must be written down for it to exist. And on top of that, the next level is you must train people to it. They must have a copy. They must sign off on it for it to exist. If you just make it and throw it in a thing and verbally describe it to people, I would still argue it doesn't exist. All of these resources are worthless without accountability. I can send you my pay scale. I can send you my goal setting and review process without accountability, without training people to the standard, holding them accountable to the standard, coaching them to, to get better performance. You will never, ever, ever feel the benefit of any of these things. You must train, review, and give feedback during your training for it to be useful. One of the books that has touched me the most over the last couple of years is a book called Grit. Angela Duckworth, a social scientist, created it. And um, I'm a firm believer that you need grit and you need information to be successful. The information is here. I'm giving it to you for free. It's a great place to start. Do you have enough grit to get up early in the morning, adapt these to your business, and actually use them in your business? I would say the majority of things that I send people don't ever get used or don't ever get opened. People don't have enough grit. You're getting a world-class resource, something that has legitimately worked and is working in our industry. Most people don't open them or don't use them. So sometimes the question is, do you have the right information? Yes. Do you have enough grit? Angela Duckworth in the book Grit, she prescribes that you can actually increase your grit. And grit is finding a passion and having the perseverance to see it through over decades. If you, if you do not train, review, or give feedback for any of these things, it's useless. You need the grit to see these things through and hold your people accountable. Job descriptions, number one. Seems simple, right? We think, well, listen, you sign up for a painting job. You know we're going to paint. Not so fast. Job descriptions to me don't just list out interior, exterior. Uh, we're on roofs. We use ladders. We scrape. We brush. You got to have some employment basics. And basically, this is a condensed version of an employee resource guide for me. Um, it gives some, I, I base this thing on, and I show this people during the interview process. I've based this on all the FAQs that people have asked me over the years. If a question comes up every single time, Hey, how do lunches work? Uh, you have a four day work week. How does that work? When is start time? When is end time? When do we get paid? Those are all things I put in the job description because people just want to know if I want to recruit and inspire somebody to join me in this business, there's certain things they're going to want to know. My goal is to answer that before they ask it. 
Um, it is the key for being successful. They need their job to be based on something. I also put in things that I found over the years that make people the best at this. And <clears throat> interestingly, in my company, it is not painting experience. We specifically look for decent human beings and then train them ourselves in our training facility and then out in the field. And on the bottom of this page, what you're seeing here, these eight things, these are the things that honestly make people the most successful. And when somebody comes into my company, because we don't hire people who have been in the trades before, they're very self-conscious and they're very nervous about not being able to paint or not being able to paint fast. So what I say is, don't worry, we'll take care of that. Here's what I need from you. Be on time, sweat a little bit, be passionate, make our clients happy, be coachable, do a little extra, be prepared five minutes early everywhere you go, happy, optimistic, interested, curious. If you are those things, you will be one of the finest people in my entire company. What you'll notice, that list does not have anything about pedigree, education, experience, wealth, location, any of that stuff. Those are pure principles of decent human beingry, basically. Also, very important, you set proper expectations for these things. So again, when somebody comes into the business, you're like, oh my God, I'm going to oversell this. It's so awesome. We do all these parties. We do all this fun stuff. The people always give you food at the job sites. You also need to let them know that you own 40 foot ladders and you may use them sometime in the future. You're setting proper expectations. So you're not selling these people a bill of goods. Sign off as well. I make people sign all these things because we have a record of all this stuff then too, that they, that they have it. <coughs> this is the big one. So legitimately, when I combined 30 years of experience in this trade, trying to figure out a pay scale that not only challenges people, but is also fair uh, and is also equitable to them, uh, I believe a pay system is one where the, the company feels like they're getting good value and the employees also feel like they're getting good value, not, not vice versa. For any pay or compensation or bonus plan, to me, I have metrics, which is it must be simple, it must be predictable, it must be measurable, and it must be transparent. So simple. I once devised this crazy bonus system that was perfect, beautiful, but nobody understood it. So if, if it's not simple and somebody doesn't understand it, it's not transparent. And then people will question their bonus. When you touch somebody's pay, it's one of the most personal things you can ever do. Do not take this lightly. It is so important to have these processes in uh, place here. If you waffle around on somebody's pay and benefits, that is probably the worst leader thing you can ever do. I, I like things to be measurable as well. A horrible way to give somebody a promotion in your company is, listen, every year we sit down once a year for a review. And if you've gotten better and faster, we'll give you a raise. And if I were that employee, I would say, what is better and what is faster? I need to know because we are going to be in a feelings-based discussion at the end of this year. If all you say is better and faster, I feel as the employee, I've done better and faster. As the business owner, you may say, I absolutely don't believe that that's better and faster. Now you're in this feelings-based discussion when you need a database discussion on that. So I pick something and I, and I test all my compensation plans uh, based on the light switch test. It should be so easy to figure out if you did it or you didn't do it. It's like a light switch. It's either up or it's down. It's on or off. It's not like, well, work harder. Well, that's very subjective. And, you know, basically you're in a feelings-based argument there. So yeah, it's a, it's a very, uh, oh, here we go. Here's a good one from Instagram. What if I'm in California and there's no decent human beings left? Um, I don't push back on many things, but that is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. I live in a town of 8,000 people and we hired 14 people um, in December. So if I had access to LA, San Francisco, San Diego, all those California places, um, 
I would be much happier and I'd have a much easier time than I do right here. So I will absolutely push back on that one. You're telling me there's not one good person in California. I know a couple <laughs> right offhand. So, all right. Um, you have to show your people the future too. So what I do, a pay scale is not just good enough for one or two years. <clears throat> when I recruit people, I lay out a six year plan and I actually show them what has to happen every year that you're here. There's, if you guys are looking at my screen share, there's a whole bunch of unchecked boxes. Those are competencies that we train people to. And if they accomplish them, they check them off and they keep progressing through the pay scale. One of the things that inspires people the most is listen, you're going to come in here and you're going to, your compensation plan is going to be about $36,000 on day one. At one year, you're blessed into our benefit system. And if you stay here six years, you're going to make over $70,000, health insurance, retirement, uh, at least two weeks of paid time off, uh, all the uniforms, um, health insurance, or what I, health insurance, retirement. Yeah. So I lay out a six-year plan saying, listen, if you just stay here for six years, everybody who has just stayed here has met all these requirements. And we don't pile on, if you can see my list here, year one, we lay out by quarter, year two, it's just a list of competencies. And after year three, we don't ask you to do anything more than you did in year three just be consistent. That's a big thing. So, all right. Goal setting and review. So what you'll find is my pay, uh, my pay scale here at the bottom of it is actual a goal setting and review process. This must be developmental, not punitive. So if you use this to figure out what your people are bad at, so you can't give them a raise or so you don't have to give them a raise. Um, this is completely used for the wrong reason. This needs to be developmental. The biggest part about a review for me, a review is always uh, nerve wracking for employees. You think, oh my God, this is the one chance I have to ask for a raise. We do this four times a year physically with every single person in my company. We track every single one of their jobs, see the profitability, the productiveness, the hours, the quality of it. And we review that with them. If you use this for a time to just say you did do this or you didn't do this, you're wasting a goal setting and review. The biggest part is the goal setting part of on here, you'll see, I'll walk you through this here. We have four sections that we rate people on. The first one is, do you get it? Do you want it? Or do you have the capacity for it? Again, these are kind of simple and, and sometimes they get subjective. Like, well, Nick, what does capacity for it mean? Say, well, listen, if you can only work six hours a day, three days a week, you may not have the capacity to do this, or you may not have the capacity to follow through with our pay scale. Do you get it? Do you understand what's expected of you? Do you want it? Are you showing actions where it looks to me like you're actually doing something, like you actually want to achieve, that you actually want to show up and work every day. Then we have our five core values, which honestly, uh, I have shows based just on this. This is one of the most important things you'll ever do in a business. Uh, my five core values are gain and maintain trust, constant improvement, quality always wins, discipline equals freedom, and produce. It's a, it's a yes or no. I used to rate people on a one to 10 scale. It's subjective. So I just went yes or no. Then we have the standards, which I'll get to in the next slide here. I want everybody five minutes early. I want you to take less than 80 hours of time off a year. Again, you can take as much time off in this company as you want, but these are time and, and competency-based pay. If you take six months off to backpack through South Africa, you don't progress through the chart. You have to be here and put in your hours, 2,000 hours a year in order to progress through that chart. So I don't have anything against it, but that's what we want to see. Clean job sites, equipment maintained, following our SOPs, uniform appearance, and then our updates, things like that. Now, for everybody here over a year, we also rate them on uh, three leadership traits, which are, are you self-directed? Is your leadership skills good? Are you leading people? And are you training people effectively too? We don't expect that of people in their first year in their apprenticeship.
but we do expect that for people over a year. Now, here's my here's the funnest part. I mean, legitimately, almost everybody in my company gets a yes on all this stuff. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here. That's not the hard part. But reviewing that and physically going through each one of them whoop, lets people know what the standard is and reminds them, even if everybody hits it all. The next thing is the most important for me, which is three months earlier when we did a GSR meeting, we had a goal, uh, both in the craft and for leadership. And we review that goal. We basically do this. Did you accomplish that goal or did you not? Now, remember, here's where that light switch test comes in. If, if you set a goal for that apprentice to work harder, you are not going to be able to quantify that at the end. One of the things that we do as a benchmark in the company is paint a bedroom in four hours, paint the walls in a bedroom in four hours. So sometimes the goal is you need to be able to competently and predictably paint that bedroom in four hours. And that's easy. That's measurable. You either did it or you didn't. The light switch. <coughs> Excuse me. Frog in my throat this morning. And then you set a goal for the next three months. Because again, in three months, we're going to be doing this together. And you want to look back and, uh, and see what the goal was. Um, I also give my people a chance to throw in a personal goal. Um, a lot of the times, it's something like buy a house. And that's not not related to what we're doing here, right? Your pay is something that allows you to buy that house. So a lot of the times I will personally coach and mentor people in personal finance and home buying, uh, real estate transactions, things like that, because I want my people to succeed. This is a freedom machine. I want people to have the benefits of what this company allows. I have this knowledge of real estate transactions. I've done many. I'm happy to give you the do's and the don'ts of all that stuff if I can help you um, do something better. Yeah. And then a lot of the times what I'll do once or twice a year, there's these, there's a little section called here called culture. And for people who are new to the business or once in a while, I'll just ask a bunch of questions about our culture just because I want a sniff test of people. So a lot of the times we'll say like, what do new apprentices need to know about working here? Or what is the culture of the company? And sometimes, you know, a lot of the times you'll, you'll get some pretty straight answers. You're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Once in a while you get a real zinger and somebody will surprise you with something. Uh, and uh, you'll notice a lot of patterns. And again, remember, as leaders, we are pattern detectors. And when you interview, you know, 20, 25, 30 people, you're going to find patterns really quickly. All right, before we go into org chart, let's go through and see what we got for some, we got a whole bunch of comments today. Holy mama. Matt Orsino, my good friend from, uh, from Missouri. Al Brown from Orlando. We are having the PCA Expo in Orlando. So Al, you should head on down there. Kathy Vochko, how's it going? Good to see you. Mike Miller, wintry here in Northern Florida, 35 degrees. Holy mama, that's Florida stuff. Uh, Alan Sawatsky, hey, good morning. Or Alex Sawatsky, good morning, man, a fellow Minnesota. Uh, love these, I learned so much. Awesome, man, thanks a lot. That means a lot to me, especially coming from you. You're a substantial dude in our industry, so. Do, 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 do. Brandon Lumby, thanks so much. Will Torres, Nick, we need all the good resources. Let's not waste time on the pushbacks. Agreed. Uh, you have to attract them and find them. Tony Joseph, absolutely talking about employees. Oh, let's see here. Can employees jump ahead of the six-year timeline? Yes, they can, but you have to be really careful. Now, leaders do not want to make cultural bombs in your company. If somebody is an amazing producer, amazing leader, you should possibly give them the option for that, but you're setting a precedent. If somebody else who gets paid less performs higher, you could have a culture bomb where both of those people fight and then they both leave the company. So you have to have an equitable competency pace 
pay system. So when somebody says, oh my God, that person makes a dollar more than me, we can actually go to the job costing. We can go to the companies and say, well, listen, every apprentice we give that person meets all their goals. The last two apprentices we've given you, they haven't met their goals. So one of the competencies you have to do is your apprentice has to hit their goals. So let's make a plan together for the next three months to do that, to get you that raise. All right, let's see what we got here. Ron Gerhardt. How can we implement the system within our company that we that we have numerous employees that have been with us for several years, so much as 10? We have not implemented these type of systems. So you have to. You basically have to codify this stuff. It's uh I was talking with somebody the other day. The best way to implement something new is to give uh go on a three-month plan, which is introduce it, tell them what's going to happen three months from now, and daily and weekly and monthly coach people on it, introduce things, explain it, train them on it. And every time you interact, say, listen. Three months from now, this is going to be implemented. Three months from now, this is going to be implemented. The worst thing you can do for apprentices and craftspeople and employees is just drop a bunch of stuff on them. If you take all this stuff and you show up Monday in your company and lay this on everybody, that scares them, even if it's better for them. So you have to have a three-month plan of doing that. It's better to do it. And, and honestly, when I first implemented a pay scale, maybe four or five years ago, I was like, oh my God, this is people are going to see it as like limiting because I would. But universally, everybody cheered it on. It was like a safety blanket. Like, oh my God, that's perfect. We can see six years ahead of time. This is awesome. Thank you for that. We get it now. So people will like it more than you think. Uh, Michael Giordano, mm, blessings of the community. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Kathy Vachko. We held a strategic planning meeting two weeks ago and discussed company goals. I also held my staff write individual work goals for themselves. I was surprised by a few and excited by others. Only a short time so far, but excited what I'm saying, Kathy, I would love to hear more about those goals. I would love to hear more about those surprising goals. Kevin Wooten, how's it going, man? Good morning. Harvey Fallis, good morning. Mario Lopez, Mario Lopez, hey. Southern California, all right, Ventura. Uh, let's see. Savage Sprayer, good for you for how you think regarding the culture war. People arguing about who gets paid more or not. It's got to be equitable, man. It's got to be equitable. That's the thing. Uh, we need to be better business owners. Uh, I will, I will. Employees, apprentices, craftspeople only react to the system that's built around them. <clears throat> so if you get a bunch of really bad feedback or people not happy, it's more likely your fault and your business's fault for the systems there. So, all right, let's keep this, let's keep this thing moving here. As promised, org chart. So I always waffle between including this one and standards and deliverables or not. But honestly, when I lay out the org chart, um, I like a uh, bottom to top org chart or a reverse org chart where I'm on the bottom, my leadership team is next, and then all my apprentices and craftspeople are above me because we are in support of them. Uh, it is not a top-down thing where I'm at the top of the Christmas tree and everybody else is underneath. They don't support me, I support them. I like that inverse sort of thing. I do also like how how everybody's compensation plans and deliverables are all tied to each other. That's another uh, thing that we did uh, years ago that has actually worked out amazingly well, which is when you take our painters, they have a compensation plan that benefits the sales team and the production team. The production team has a compensation plan that hinges on, it's kind of like that three-legged stool thing, like the, the branches of the government. They each rely on a little bit of each other so that they hold each other accountable. The worst thing you could do, the best example of a horribly uh, one-sided uh, compensation and pay structure in your company is to have painters, apprentices and craftspeople and production get paid based on the gross profit or the quality of a job. You know, the, the 
the profitability and then have your estimator get paid on just everything he sells, whether it's good or not. What that will create is the tendency and the proclivity for a salesperson to just hammer out low cost stuff. And then the production team will get the job, the sole job. And they'll say, well, listen, he's fire selling this stuff. He's getting a bonus on anything he sells. He doesn't care what he sells it for. I can't possibly produce this and earn my bonus. So that's what you have to really watch out for uh, with these compensation plans. So a salesperson compensation plan that is based only on, you know, the amounts they sell, not the profitability, doesn't have to be bad. But you certainly have to have other checks in place to make sure that, you know, the incentives are aligned so they're not doing anything that would hurt the other people around them. The org chart for me is a way of planning for the future, looking at the number of bodies, how they interact, how the, uh, you know, what one production manager can produce, what one estimator can sell. Has to be up to date. It lends perspective. It shows us where we are in this maelstrom of all this stuff. It's based on our VTO, our vision traction organizer. So um, I'm a traction guy. Uh, a vision traction organizer starts with a 10-year plan, goes to five, goes to three, goes to one, and then you do quarters and then weekly and then daily. And it helps you say, if you want to accomplish that 10-year plan, here's what you have to do today in order to do that. And that really helps me focus. It's basically you know, a visual representation of the interwovenness of people, these org charts. So I would say if you don't do that, that's a very good thing to do because sometimes it surprises you when you put it all together. <coughs> Employee standards. So this is one of the most useful documents in my entire company. Um, very funny story around this one. Um, I was into about two years of growing this company aggressively and we weren't profitable. I was taking money, you know, like think of one of those old uh, freight trains where you got that guy shoveling coal into the engine. I was taking all my personal assets and shoveling it into this company and we we're growing and it's fun. It's good. But I needed some proof that there was profit on here so I could pay myself back so we could actually pay people well, benefits, you know, vehicles, shop, everything else. So I did this crazy experiment we called the Reformation uh, afterwards where I everything got so muddy because we're all grouped up in people. And, you know, when you put people in two or three uh, person crews, you can be like, well, hey, listen, we did this job well, but we had that apprentice. That's why we didn't hit our goal. I said, you know what? Good point. We're going to break everybody off in a single person painting company and we're going to track your progress daily. We're going to give you a very specific project with a very specific budget and you're basically going to have to get this done. And we did a three month thing, the reformation, do the standards of this company or you're not going to have a job. And it was pretty harsh, right? But it was what we needed to, to jar this company into action. So what I like in my company, what we've evolved in over the last couple of years is low goal and high goal. I find having one standard, sometimes it doesn't inspire people enough. They're overperformers and sometimes it's too high for people. So I like to, I like to basically lay it, lay the floor, the standards, this document in my company is the floor. If you don't do this, you don't have a job. I mean, legitimately, if you guys are looking at my screen share, it says, do these, keep your job. You must at least do this. This is the pay to play. This is the permission, the admittance in order to be an employee in our company. Then you have to be coachable. It's nothing different than you see on the GSR. Remember those core values uh, every uh, five minutes early, everywhere you go, uh, less than 80 hours off a year, clean job site, things like that. I mean, these are the legitimate standards. And there's a lot of companies who don't actually have this stuff. So uh, I would say people need to know what the low bar is. Uh, in my company, we've actually created low bar and high bar then, especially with salaried and bonus people. It's good to give them low goals and high goals because, uh, yeah, you see people dance around them a lot. These are basically non-negotiables. The core values are the biggest parts of these things. Again, they have to be measurable. For us, you may say, well, Nick, listen, I see uniform appearance on there. How is that measurable? We say, is your shirt tucked in? Do you have a belt? 
After that, are you wearing my actual uniforms? We buy everything for you. If you're there in a, in a plaid shirt that we didn't buy you, you are not to standard. If your shirt is untucked, you're not to standard. It's not because I run this iron-fisted militaristic thing. It's because it gains the trust of the client when you have somebody like this with a white button-up shirt that's tucked in with a logo. It's all cream. It's all white. That is trust. People are paying us the equivalent of cars and letting us in their homes for weeks at a time. The least we can do is look like there's somebody that's worthy of that. And I'm a big, uh, I'm a big proponent of that. Has to be measurable again, and low goals and high goals. Employee handbook. So two minds about this as well. Um, I kind of felt like I, <laughs> from running a cowboy style company, you think, oh my God, the second I get an employee handbook, that's it. I'm a boring, regular company. It's like employee handbook. That's what these boring cubicle companies do. Honestly, again, it's a comfort blanket for the people in your company. It's 75% employment law, basically uh, state and federal and about 25% uh, specific things to our company. This has everything from bereavement leave, uh, the process for requesting vacation, um, what, um, you know, what constitutes insubordination, what constitutes a, uh, a counseling, uh, a counseling able offense in the company. You know, if you, <coughs> a lot of this stuff is standard boilerplate, but we kind of fix it to ours. If you take internal in, uh, information about our company and share it with people, and there's bad results with that, that is an offense where you can buy my employee handbook, be terminated. That just is what it is. That is not a decent human being thing to do. In any normal business, if you're giving out personal information or personal things from a business and people use it for bad, uh, you can absolutely be removed from a company because that is uh, that is malfeasance. Absolutely. But it lives. So it feels punitive because it basically lists all the negative stuff. Uh, but also, if I've always kind of looked at these things as if you have to pull out your employee manual, and I think ours is maybe 63 pages, give or take, and it might even be less than that. If you have to wield this in front of your employees and say, hey, look at this line right here. You owe me this. You failed. I, I believe it's a punitive document. So it lays the baseline down. It's more for a reference. It's like a dictionary. It's like you don't need to see it every day, but it's like if you want to know the process for taking medical leave, it's in there and there's no if, ands, or buts. It's not a feelings-based discussion because when you come onto my company, you read this and you sign a thing off that you say you, you've read and understand it. Very important thing is you should get this reviewed by a lawyer each year because things change. And then you can say, oh my God, now we're into lawyers. Now we're into this. Uh, honestly, for 150 or 200 bucks once a year, they can catch a whole bunch of stuff that's sometimes even illegal. There's I've seen employee manuals where people just say, well, I feel that this is fair, so I'm going to put this in here. It's actually illegal. I've seen lots of illegal clauses in these things where an employee took that to like a uh, equal opportunity sort of... Um, uh, board in your state, you could be sued or fined a great deal because it's a you're putting in your feelings as a business owner when really you have to abide by state and federal employment law. So training, training is a big part of this too, which is, listen, you have standard operating procedures. Again, like I said, last show, if you just have those thrown in a filing cabinet, they're completely useless. You need to train people to these things. So when you go back to the standards here like this, you need to train people. You need to hold them accountable. You need to show them what good looks like. That's a big part of it. Also, we we have a so we don't have unlimited time. Nobody does. Uh, so what we do is when we train, we train people to the majority of what we do. In our training facility, you will not see any exterior training being done. It just is what it is. 
We focus on wall painting, ceiling painting, cabinet and trim prep. What you won't even see there is cabinet and trim spraying. That's what we focus on. Those are the things that will give us the biggest reward in the shortest amount of time. The document you see up here is our two-week apprenticeship program in our shop, basically highlighting how somebody is onboarded, how somebody is trained, um, things like that. Now, I can send this to you, but there's no information in it. It doesn't actually give you secret videos or secret pamphlets. This is human-to-human, one-on-one training. We take somebody who knows the SOPs, who loves this company, and then has them train somebody else. That's the only way to do it. You need to rub that culture off on that person and also teach them some technical skills. And they're also based on deliverables as well too. So you can see SOP down here. When we train, we train to those SOPs. Now, here's the biggest thing ever. All this is fine. If there's only one thing you take away from this whole thing, it's gonna be a very unsatisfying part of this, which is this is likely accountability, the thing that you want to do least. This is when somebody is not doing what you would like them to do or the standards of the company, you need to recognize it. You need to go over and address it. Now, a lot of people think that this is conflict. Accountability is different than conflict. A horrible boss goes and yells, just like I did when I got introduced to the trades. All I had was a grumpy old dude screaming at me all the time. So now what you have to do is hold people accountable, which is I have completely switched the way that I lead this company over the last couple of years. Uh, everything I do now is empathy-based leadership, which is, listen, what you did didn't make me happy. I don't even say this stuff out loud. What you did didn't make me happy, but come on, man, you're better than this. Do you, what do you need from me to make sure that you do this? And this could be as simple as somebody walking in six minutes late to a job site. Like, hey, come on, man. If I got If my paychecks were late to you all the time, you wouldn't think of me very highly, would you? So same thing goes here. You need to teach the people the reason behind what you do things. I'm not, I don't put five minutes early everywhere you go just so I can find something to be punitive about. It gains the trust of the client when we're there early. If you walk in late every day, that client is going to think less of us and what we do. And it opens the project to all sorts of scrutiny we wouldn't normally have. Accountability. You need to find your own system. I think we are extremists up here in Minnesota. We are introverts. We're passive aggressive. We don't like this. We don't even look people in the eye most of the time. So you need to find your own system. My own system is my leadership team meeting every week and my goal setting and review meetings. I physically put things on my calendar in front of me that I have to do that force me to go into accountability mode to do this stuff. If I just say, listen, Nick, you're just going to, you're just going to do accountability. And it's going to be great this next three months. If I don't have it on my calendar and stick to it, guess what? I'll probably find something else to do. I'll probably find another visionary task to do. <clears throat> do you have enough grit to stick with that stuff? Legitimately, every single business book that I read, somewhere in that basically says, listen, all this other information is fine, but accountability is the one secret to business. If you can hold yourself accountable, if you can find a good way to optimistically and happily hold the people accountable around you, you will win every single time. So accountability, data helps. So why do I start off mastering the basics with job costing? Job costing is the baseline data to give you a much easier time as a leader in your business. If you want to talk to an employee about poor performance and you're just basically saying, I don't like the way you paint, that is not a great way to lead. And I would say that is your fault, not the employee's fault if they get angry. If you have job costing, you can look back at the 17 jobs they did last quarter and say, listen, on average, you were 20% over budget on every single one of those jobs and even the ones when you were alone. So what are we going to do this next quarter in order to get those numbers up? 
that's a database thing. And they can push back and say, hey, that's not fair, this and that. You say, listen, let's work on it together. This is not a punitive thing. I'm not holding you accountable so I can be angry at you. Let's make a plan. What are we going to do in the next three months in order for you to hit these goals? That's what a good leader does, an empathetic, open leader. Sometimes you will feel like a sucker. I've just had to get over that. If you lead empathetically and people still don't work out, they were never going to work out. Give your empathy to the people who deserve it the most. All right, that's it, folks. Let's start looking through some. Let's pop my big old face back up on screen here. Oh, thank you so much, people, for doing this. I love the, oh, stop this. All right. Sorry, I got to get the screen off. All right, here we go. I'll go through Facebook, TikTok, and then Instagram here. Dave Pine, starting two new people in Portsmouth Painting Company Monday. With all these things, uh, mind the interview process is a game changer. I felt great about hiring them when there's a set direction and confidence. Don't, you're going to see the look on their face be different if you implement all this stuff. That's a huge thing. Alan Roshecki, thank you so much. Dustin Steer, Michigan, how's it going, man? Uh, lots of good knowledge. Brian Santos, my good friend from the industry. This topic is one of the greatest issues of a successful growth of a painting company. Brian knows uh, he works, uh, he, he advises for a franchise company who has hundreds of businesses and he has access to all that. And he has the data points. If you think I have data points, he has the data points. Uh, Stephen Colvin, thank you so much. Kevin Wooten is the single John budget, job budget set based on hours per job. Yes. Uh, so we basically have a formula in my company, this is going to change for everybody's company, but we set a kind of easy to hit goal. Uh, we use $60 of revenue as the thing. So we basically take a thousand hour job. We minus out 15% for materials. It's just an estimate on materials. So we'll have $850 left over for labor and we divide that by 60 and that will tell us how many hours we would like this job to get done. A budget is just a prediction. The job costing actually tells you what you did. Uh, so interesting stuff. Yeah. Okay. Let's see what else we got here. Do, 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 do. Stephen Colvin, good morning from Sashrite. Love following you guys on social media. Ernesto, thanks for tagging somebody. Brian Chemnitz, what if you don't have a training facility? What would be the first two weeks look like? Ha! So, Brian, up until about a year ago, we did not have a training facility either. For 14 years, we basically trained people in people's houses. The key to doing that is something we call quiet professionalism, which is you take somebody who lives your core values, knows your SOPs, you put them in a house with somebody who doesn't, and you tell that craftsperson who knows your stuff to stand in front of the client. If the client comes over and starts asking a bunch of questions, jump in front of them and just say, hey, listen, I'm the craftsperson here. Uh, I'm Alex. I'm your, I'm your leader for the site here. What can I help you with? You know, And you got to be protective of your apprentices because we don't want to lose the trust of the client. We also want to give them good uh, value as well, too. So, All right. See what else we got here. Do, 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 do. Mike McGrath, oh, my good friend from New York. We are going to go fishing or hunting, Mike, one of these years. I would love to come up there because New York is a, is a – people think of the city. Um, people forget about uh, you know northern New York, that wilderness up there. And I, I would love to get mixed up in that stuff. Harvey Follis, you nailed it at the end. Thank you so much. Sumter, how do you handle an employee who blames low individual job performance, low GP, on other members of their crew? Ha, Sumter, reformation time. Good. I'm sorry. You know what? A good leader is able to do this job, inspire others around them to get good results as well. 
if you think that person isn't a good fit, that's fine. But how about you go on your own for a while? That is a reformation. You make a single person crew and you say, all right, nowhere to hide now. I'm going to coach you up. I'm going to train you with everything you need. Let's see how you perform. People don't care how much you know. They want to, <laughs> they want to see that you care. Todd Roberts. So that can go for estimating, production, hiring, everything else. It is it is the golden rule sort of stuff here. Uh, Dan Zapanzik. All right, man. I love the Zapanzik brothers. How much accountability do you delegate out? Production managers, ops. So here's the deal. It's always going to be best coming from the leader of the company. But when you grow a company big enough, you're not going to be able to do it to everybody. So I divide it up between the standard operating procedures and the production is my production uh, and crew leaders, uh, the craftspeople. They're in charge of getting that stuff. They know what to do. They just have to perform. The core values, the standards of the company, and the goals are me. That's the visionary kind of stuff. So I believe that I my, one of my goals this year is to completely divorce myself from the estimating, the production, the admin, and everything else. So basically, I can just work with my people on goal setting and review, accountability, coaching, mentoring, training, uh, things like that. That's a tough one. Um, delegating out accountability is really tough, man. It takes a special person uh, to be good at it or better than you. Oh, Daryl Bauer, my realtor friend from Minnesota here. Excellent information that goes across many... Yeah, Daryl, you know this better than anybody else. This is just business information. This is not specific to the trades or painting or anything else. Thomas Drake, good friend Thomas Drake. Man, no wonder I'm getting uh, so much kickback. So I need to lay out several changes two to three months in advance. I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. And you owe that. And it's frustrating too, because you got to understand as business owners, we have different personalities than the people we employ a lot of the times. We are these people who it's like, I would completely reform this company overnight, try everything new the next day, throw everything old out, do something else. We have a personality that gets a lot of energy from that. Our employees do not. That scares the living hell out of them. So three-month plan. Can you do this with subs? Uh, so legally, there's things you can and can't do with subs, Valentino. Uh, you can certainly personally coach and mentor your subs. There's nothing against that. I personally coach and mentor lots of people across the country in a very soft way. I'm not a formal mentor to a lot of people, but this, um, you can help another human with their business. You just have to be careful with the legalities in your area and, and what that actually looks like. Carlos Escamilla, new here, new painter. I found you. I'm glad you received your information. You're awesome for what I see. Awesome, man. Keep digging in, man. There's five years of this stuff and I'm happy to help you anytime you need here. So Daryl, question. Did you devise all this on your own school of hard knocks or where did you draw your inspiration from? So um, honestly, this is the thing I'm probably least proud about uh, over the, my course of um, history as a craftsperson and a business owner, which is um, I cowboyed this stuff for a lot of years. I was thinking about this this morning. I, I did a little ideating in the dark, thinking about the show and how I could provide the most value. And I was thinking that I'm between 29 and 30 years in the painting industry right now. And my business is about 14 going on 15 years. I have lived 25 years, Daryl, in this industry with basically being unintentional, trying to do better, constant improvement, but nothing written down, nothing formal, and just basically gritting. If I want more money, I worked 80 hours instead of 40. If I wanted more money than that, I worked 90 and then 100 in order to do that. And yes, I got better, but there's a limitation to that. So five years ago, we had a major reformation. Now, I, I won't use that word. We had a major event horizon. 
in the company, which I had three craftspeople working for me. They all left and all for good reasons. I'm very proud of them uh, for the things that they did. But they all left on one Friday night and I was left alone again after 10 years of business. Everything that I thought I'd been working for, there's nothing written down, there's no systems, no processes, was basically started over. And my chalkboard got erased in one night. And I thought, you know what? There's got to be a better way. And it lit a fire under me. And you can say luck has a lot to do with this, and I'm sure it does. But I like to think luck, you know, that famous saying is the, uh, is the meeting of preparation and opportunity. I was prepared for this. An opportunity presented itself too, actually. Uh, and I grabbed hold of it, which is the advent of Ask a Painter Live, the advent of actually talking to other painters, and the advent of uh, uh, an entrepreneurship program called Economic Gardening, which I'm still in. I went this week. <coughs> It was a traction-based organization where CEOs from all sorts of different fields get together, and we basically just call each other on our BS. I was introduced to traction and legitimately, Daryl, overnight. It was, I couldn't read this book fast enough. I tingled with delight. I listened to the audio book all day. I read the book at night and in the morning. I made all the notes. I got my crazy copy right here. Look, this thing is haggard, man. There is, there couldn't be any more dang notes and all this other stuff that we have in here. Um, I have used, I have used this book up legitimately, but that basically took my whole world of chaos into what are you supposed to be doing with your time? I only have so many hours a week. That thing basically says, start here. This is a great place to start. It's not perfect, but start here. And legitimately, um, getting that book and then knowing when it says you need core values or you need a job description, then I've made these contacts to ask a painter where you can say, Hey, uh, Dave Scaturro, <laughs> you run a business 10 times larger than me in New Jersey. You're, you're a multi-generation family. What does your job description look like? And because he's a servant leader as well, he sends me his. So you guys can see how all this stuff interlocks together, which is I'm here doing this for you guys because people have done this for me. It was something that changed my personal and professional life. I will never be able to be thankful enough to those people. So yeah, let's see what else we got here. Mike McGrath. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, oh yes. Let's do this. Uh, yeah. The history up there is something I would be very interesting to see. <laughs> uh, Will Torres, how's your turns? Don't understand. Thank you for the mentorship. Absolutely. Jim Davis. Thanks for all you do. Good morning. Name of the book, John Milkovich traction. So if you guys haven't already, I would suggest that, uh, you read this book. Uh, definitely. This is something that legitimate. Now, listen, I will tell you this. I do not like bro culture in business. I do not like these cult books. I do not like Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, he turns me off. I do not like Grant Cardone, 10X. I, that kind of stuff turns me off. There's nuggets you can take away. I'm not interested in that. I don't want to even tell people I got this from a business book because that feels cheap. And I don't always align with everything these books say. But honestly, that book is helpful. So against all my better judgment, Traction is a really good book, man. So I love it. <coughs> Todd Roberts, I'm a reader and I've read Traction. So what's interesting is that, uh, what other books do you read? So I'll show you one book. For two years, I have been enamored with this book. And I will tell you guys, uh, Grit, uh, do yourself a favor and, and get this book. Now, I have a philosophy about books. <sighs> Business people love to brag about, oh, I read all these books. I read all these books. I will tell you what, <laughs> I haven't read that many books. I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks to see what books that we're going to be reading together in my business. Uh, we have two things, my leadership team and my leadership coaching, which I do for my entire company. 
we start with a book in my leadership team. We read it together like a book club, a chapter a week. We take takeaways. And then with the rest of my company, we actually read books together too. I introduce everybody, even from day one apprentice level, uh, into what I'm interested in, uh, which is mainly accountability. I don't read that many books. These two books have taken up my life for about five years. Uh, traction for about five, grit for the last two. Honestly, my philosophy is I go over and over and over with these books. Look at this. All my notes. I would rather take a slow roll through grit over two or three years and actually implement everything in it than burn through and see all this other stuff. You guys have seen a tour of my war room here and you see all my books here. And yes, I'm one of those guys who has a whole bunch of books. People gift them to me. I get them because I want to go through them eventually. But honestly, I don't go through a lot of these. I don't go through a lot of these books. I take one book and I maximize it. I try to get everything I can out of it, implement it in my business, feel it, touch it, get the data, and then go on to the next book. I feel like blowing through these books. Like if you just read Traction and be like, I read Traction. The point of Traction is not to read it. It's to do the stuff in it. It's to do it. And it takes me five years. We've gone from zero people to 35 in five years by slowly, methodically working through that book. So yeah, that's what I have to give you guys. All right, let's go through. Oh man, we got a whole bunch of comments and stuff here. So you guys are awesome. I really love this series of shows every year here. Uh, great response from it. So <sighs> all right, I needed to hear all this savage sprayer. And it isn't written down, it doesn't exist. Dude, listen, man, even savage sprayer, obviously you must spray. Uh, we have standard operating procedures for tip and pressure usage. We also have standard operating procedures for cleaning out sprayers. If that stuff doesn't exist and one of your sprayers breaks, honestly, you can't yell at one of your employees if you haven't trained them that. So, all right, artist touch. Give back what was so freely given to us. The main reason I'm on IG, talking to other painters and share and growth and knowledge. You help a lot, including myself. Thank you guys. I really do appreciate that, man. I really do appreciate it, guys. That's kind, kind words here. So Dan Zapanzig just ordered grit. If you, if anybody ever wants to debrief me with traction and grit, I am all for this. This is a scientific based study based on psychology of what makes high performers and how you can improve yourself. There is science, people. This isn't one of those books, 10x baby, let's just go out there and do 10 times more. That book didn't touch me. This book, I listen to this on my walks every morning and I over and over and I get something new from it every single time. Daryl Bauer, uh, Brene Brown. I've heard of her being tossed around a lot um, and I will probably file that under. There's a lot of people I, I know and trust uh, that... Uh, tell me to read that. And that'd probably be one of those ones that sits on my shelf for five years before I get to it. Cause I'm doing all this stuff. Uh, Thomas Drake, we appreciate you. Thanks for investing. Absolutely, man. Thank you guys for investing in me too. Just ordered both books, Jim Davis. Now you got it. So information and grit, this is $7. Do you have enough grit to read grit and implement grit? That's it's sort of a meta weird thing when you get into grit like this. So Stephen Colvin, you are so organized. It makes me think you have 36 hour days. So <coughs> Interestingly enough, there is, there's a couple different um, thoughts I have on this, which is some people think you're a sucker if you put a lot of hours into your job or your business. I do not. But you are a sucker if it starts having detrimental effects on your family or personal life. So you have to be weary of that. I made a deal with Toots, my wife, years ago that, listen, I'm going to break myself. Uh, I do not want to take 20 years to do this stuff. 
I want to do it all now. So we're going to take a lot of pain and then we're going to get a huge reward. My philosophy is the same with the four day work week, which is we're going to work four super long days, but then we're going to have a three day weekend, give or take. Same thing goes with all this stuff. I work from 4 a.m. to 5 p.m., four days a week. And I work from 4 a.m. to 11 a.m. on Fridays. Obviously, this is something, this schedule is, I've always had this, but I'm actually being compliant with it um, this year so far. In the past, I probably averaged 63 hours a week, give or take, and that's down from 80 plus when we're growing this business because legitimately some things just need to be done. And if you're putting in 80 to 100 hours a week and you're growing a business and you feel like a sucker, don't. How fast, how good do you want this to be? I will get some people that say, Nick, I'm only going eight to four Monday through Friday to grow this business. And I will say, you have a very long road ahead of you. Not good, not bad. You have a long road ahead of you. Uh, you, will, uh, you will not be going through rapid cycles of failure and successes fast enough to make these decisions. And it's going to be a very, very long, painful road for you. So I'm, I'm of the mentality, do it now, do a lot of it, get the data, get the feelings and move on with your life. So uh, yeah. So Stephen, honestly, uh, one of the best things that I've ever let sink into me is that in a 24-hour day, we have three eight-hour periods, give or take. Typically, we work for eight and we sleep for eight. And that leaves us eight hours. And most people honestly fritter that away. There's TV, there's video games, there's social media, there's all this other stuff. Um, I, If you can look to the success and the amount of progress we've been able to make over the five years, it's me using the third eight effectively. And typically what I've done is I've split that third eight between four hours of family, four hours of business. So then people will say, well, Nick, I'm not seeing a whole lot of you time in there. And I will tell you that I love this more than anything else. I don't need you time for this. I get that on the weekends with my family in a very concentrated time. This legitimately is my passion. It's a, it's a competitive advantage. Um, if you do not love the deep parts of the craft, the science of coding, or the deep science and love of entrepreneurship, you're never going to do as well. It just is what it is. People who love things will, will perform a lot better. And that's actually part of this passion and perseverance. If this is not your passion, you're only going to have so much perseverance for this sort of thing. So I love this. I love this. Okay, sorry. Read. The, we're getting comments from all over the place here. I'm just going to have to shut this stream off pretty soon because uh, I'm going to hang out with my family soon. Uh, Alex Garcia, have you written a book? If I haven't, I would love to have a signed copy. Yeah, honestly, everybody does it better than me. Um, I could take what everybody else does and put it in something condensed. But honestly, if you watch Ask a Painter and Traction and Grit, honestly, you, I don't know if I can do better than that. And I probably won't. So Russell Lindsay, where can I find SOPs and other necessary paperwork to start with and adjust for our company? Go to the Ask a Painter Live page and scroll through the shows, all that we've done in January. And I have instructions where I will send you mine for free. And do you have enough grit to go do that? We'll find out. Uh, but it's all there for you. Alex Garcia, no words to express. Holy cow, man. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Uh, Thomas Drake, this is you time. Focus on what you love. Michael LaDuke, do you think that your SOPs to improve the processes come from your military service? So Mike and I are old military veterans uh, from New Prague here. He moved to Australia. He was a Marine. We won't hold that against him. He can actually read and write and you know all that other stuff and function like a human, which I like to make fun of my Marines for. Now, I was influenced by the military for the SOPs uh, in an inverse way, which is they had an SOP to make your bed and they had a little stick with colors on it where you would lay it on the sheets and your sheets had to be of different proportions. 
that makes me want to throw up in my mouth. And I promised myself I would never do that in my business. So I did take SOPs away from the military. I actually got these really cool SOPs. I got some from my old machine guns that I used to carry and jump out of planes with over there. They're this thick. SOPs for machine guns. How compliant do you think people are with those things? Or do we just figure it out in the field? What I took away from the military was don't go crazy with SOPs because you get so many of them and there's no way people can comply with them. So we only have an SOP in our company for something that must get done and we make it simple, we make it easy. Really, there's only eight or 10 SOPs in the entire company, if we're being honest. The military, Mike, sweet Jesus, they have to label them FM-1-5923-23 because there are libraries the size of gymnasiums that have SOPs, field manuals, technical manuals in the military. So, all right, everybody. Uh, oh, uh, one last one. Man, you guys are firing these things off. I absolutely love this stuff. We got some book recommendations on IG. <coughs> I'm going to do one more question, then I do have to stop. I love this, you guys. I'll interact with you later, but I do need to kind of move on with my day here. Sumter. I like this one. Ever face burnout? Somebody wants to see my marketing strategy. I'm trying to formulate this in my head here. You ever face burnout? So <laughs> data and feelings. Yeah. I've never been burned out. I know that things pile up and it's interesting. I can, I can tell this to my leadership team. When one thing goes wrong and we have to address it, we put out a small fire. That's fine. It's like, Hey, we experienced this. No big deal. When two of them, all of a sudden you're like, Oh man, like that made my day. Not as well. When three or more things like that happen in a day, I see people's tension rise and I see their hair standing up and I see them not liking their job as much. And I've had days like, listen, I come to you guys, not with no experience. Like there was one summer where I wanted to see if this company was going to work. And I hired 22 painters and I ran them all myself. I did all the estimating in the evening. I scheduled, I got all the paint. I checked up on all the jobs, did all the client care stuff. I ran the equivalent of a $2.2 million company by myself with no leadership team for one summer. It was a controlled experiment. And yes, there were days where honestly, it was stressful because I'm going day and night and things aren't going right and things could be better. Um, payroll is tough. I mean, when we hire a whole bunch of people like we do every once in a while, payroll gets tight and all of a sudden, you know, that adds, that adds a little bit of stress to your day. But the problem is I have enough data points to know that now <laughs> that this is going to work. We have the principles down. We have accountability. We have all this baseline stuff. Our job costing is good. All we need to do is execute on a thousand little things really well in order to get amazing results. It's not a moonshot. It's not one big reformation. Back in the day, what fueled me is my love of this. I legitimately, I had this deep-seated feeling that you could not shake me from that this is going to work. Honestly, it's going to work. And if not, screw it. I can paint. I can do this myself. I, I can be a very profitable single person painting company. It's not what I want though. I want people to feel the freedom and the love of what I do as well. I think we are legitimately in the wild west. This is a hidden gem. This is, this is craziness. People do not know what the possibilities and the potential is right now where we stand. I want people to know that because it has legitimately changed my life. I don't think people understand what real freedom in their life can be like. Freedom is the absence of having to do something or the choice to do or not to do something. 
Freedom for me is the ability to put in all this extra time and see a reward. If I work for Best Buy in a, in a mid-level manager cubicle thing, if I put in 100 hours, I probably wouldn't see any more benefits than I did over 45. <coughs> That's not freedom. I also have the freedom not to do this. The good thing is I love it and I choose to do it all the time. We can do the freedom of a four-day work week. We can do benefits. We can do social events with the company. And honestly, I wake up almost every day at four and you do not need to push me out of bed. It almost feels like if you remember, for those of you from snow country, if you remember what it felt like when mom and dad woke you up on a snow day when school was canceled, you're just like, oh my God, it's a free day. And especially when it was a Monday or a Friday, you extended your weekend. I legitimately wake up almost every day like it's a snow day. Like, oh, cannot wait to get up and do this thing I love. I think it's because I basically, without saying it, I wake up and it's like mom and dad woke me up and said, Nick, you don't have to go to a real job today. You can do the thing you love, your little freedom machine. And to me, it's like, that's like saying school just got called out for a snow day. So we're going to leave it at that folks. I really appreciate this stuff. I'm going to get in here. I'm going to put in a link to the Ask a Painter live retreat. If you guys want to join me, in an amazing group of people where we go deep with this traction, grit, limiting beliefs, uh, guided meditation to, to go over limiting beliefs, outdoor activities, sauna, hot tub, maybe even a polar plunge this time. I will have a link in the show after this. I can't thank you guys enough for watching. I really do appreciate this. And uh, seriously, guys, thank you. This means a lot that you spend a Saturday morning with me. So have a good rest of the weekend. Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.